0: Hey there, texture loungers. Can I just say that I am incredibly embarrassed right now? I say that because I recorded this interview about a year and a half ago, and I'm only publishing it now. So embarrassed. But to be fair, so much has been happening with me personally and professionally. Um, I moved from California, from the Bay to Austin, Texas. My husband and I bought our very first home together so exciting best decision we have made in a long time considering how dynamic and how blazing hot the Austin housing market is and then of course lots going on in the world of work we'll save that for another day but today you guys are going to be hearing Kimberly Dillon who is the founder of cannabis infused beauty brand Frigg she's all about wellness She's all about stressless beauty, and she's an incredible marketeer. What I really enjoyed about my time with Kimberly is how much she knows about the cannabis business, given her experience. So she's going to break it all down. I mean, she's going to talk about the history, so you get the historical context around the stigma of cannabis She's going to talk about the scientific elements, so what the plant actually does, the chemicals and its effect on the body and the brain. And then of course, given that cannabis or entrepreneurship in cannabis is huge right now, she's going to be talking about all of that and of course how the black community is playing in that arena or should play in that arena given that the cannabis economy is surging. I read somewhere recently that between 2020 and 2024, the cannabis industry is going to generate 250,000 full-time jobs. That is huge, right? So how do we position ourselves or how can the black community move away from this negative stigma of cannabis and actually play a role in, in making some good business opportunity out of it. As of today, last time I checked, cannabis is legal in 18 states here in the US. It looks like that is set to continue to grow. So this is the time to learn and be educated, whether this is something you participate in, consume, etc., I'm sure a lot of you come from families where there's a huge stigma around cannabis or consuming cannabis so some of you may be open to the conversation some of you may not but for me the purpose of the texture lounge is to educate and to elevate these conversations so that we know better secondly everybody is talking about the great resignation right this mass Disruption in the corporate world where employees are leaving the job that they have known and have been doing for such a long time because of anxiety and not feeling rewarded and not feeling recognized and burnout, the workload. And what I love about the episode is that Kimberly experienced all of these things. She worked in corporate, she was burnt out, she had high levels of anxiety. And she shares quite a few vulnerable moments about her experience there. So without further ado, because I can waffle, let's get into it. So Kimberly, I want to officially welcome you to the Texture Lounge. I am super excited to have you as my, uh, I guess my first fall guest actually. For 2020. Ooh, well, I'm
1: very excited to be that.
0: You are, you are. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. So, listen to all who are listening right now. You are tuned in to um, the Texture Lounge and you're listening to me speak with the very first black CMO in the cannabis industry. Okay. Now Kimberly Dillon has, she's, she's worked in the corporate world, um, with companies like PG. Um, and from there, I know that you moved on or you worked within, you, you know, you kind of dipped your toe in the world of technology for a while. Right. If I'm correct. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that I learned from speaking with Kimberly a couple months ago or a month or so ago now is that it was actually her mom. It was her mom that planted the seed in her mind to actually explore the world, um, you know, the cannabis industry. And today she is the founder of Frigg Wellness. So I know Kimberly is going to go into a ton more detail about, you know, her career journey and, you know, kicking off and launching Frigg, but Kimberly Give us the quick lowdown of who you are and and what you do.
1: Yeah, so uh, I just had my my 10 year business school reunion on Saturday, which was awe inspiring and also has 10 years passed. Uh, Wow. I tend to graduate during financial recessions, so I think that's one of the beautiful things about my (laughs) life and career. That's unique. It is unique. I think I've seen three so far. Um, But yeah, I started in marketing uh, right after undergrad and then have had roles in consulting, CPG, and a little bit in tech. And it was actually when I was in tech, which was beautiful at the time. So this was, I think, 2013, and everyone was building mobile apps the girl who was working down the street for me or actually down the hall for me was dating a guy who started Uber. Uh, I met the guys who were starting Pinterest at a coffee shop. Like it was just like this crazy time. Mm. And I decided to get into tech as a product manager and, um, and something, it just triggered like major anxiety in me in the sense of you have to be so detail-oriented. Okay. The hours were different. Everything was like a little less structured than what I was used to. Okay. And my anxiety was just peaking. And it was my mother who was in Colorado and her church group went on a tour of a cannabis facility that wanted to be built in the neighborhood. And it was my mother who suggested... Oh, why don't you try cannabis for anxiety? And so, you know, when your mom tells you you need to chill out <laughs> I know <laughs> you right? you start wondering. And like a lot of people actually had been saying that over the years that I was just um high strung mm-hmm. <laughs> or just tightly wound, yeah. specifically in the workplace, which is not true of my personality outside of work. So okay. when she said it, it was just sort of a trigger like, Well, wait, the second, how am I showing up at work? That's different than the rest of my life. And so that actually caused me to get my medical marijuana card. Okay. So I started purchasing it. And if anyone who's ever purchased cannabis before, like recent times, um, it's a very sketchy, scary, you know, in dark alleys type process. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself in 2014, that this is going to be the next tech industry and I want to be a part of it. And they're going to need marketers and people with a CPG framework. So I got into cannabis in 2016, right when Prop 64 um, passed here in the state of California, making cannabis legal. And I have worked in it for the last um, four years
0: love it don 't go any further because we 're going to go deep into all of those mechanics later i 'm super excited to to peel back those layers, but there you go, guys. Those are the crib notes that is um, kimberly 's journey in a nutshell from corporate to cannabis. The first question I always ask my guests all my, my guests is a signature question. I actually want to pivot this a little bit, you know, rather than asking you about your name, and I'm very happy to do that too, but I'm really curious um, about the name Frigg. And actually you did mention it to me when we you know, caught up a month or so ago, and I think our listeners would be really interested to know where the name Frigg came from. Could you share a bit more about that story?
1: Yes. And I want to give two sort of contextual precursors to the story. So one, I'm working in cannabis. So this was um, 2016 and it just became legal. And it's interesting because cannabis is often thought of a very male thing. Mm-hmm. You, when you think of stoners or how it's shown in pop culture, it's often men. Yep. Um, And if women are being marketed to, it's sort of like in a sexualized way, again, for men to buy cannabis. And so you don't really see how women engage or smoke. That That tends to be. Um, a little bit of a taboo. And so it occurred to me, here I am, you know, corporate career working in this industry that apparently only men are a part of. Mm-hmm. And I was interested to understand how women have used cannabis throughout history. Got it. I'm also a huge comic book fan, and I love Marvel movies. And it was interesting. I was watching Thor, which is the best Marvel movie do of like the franchise. Thor. I do like Thor. <laughs> um and thor is played by a woman named renee russo and her name in the movie is Frigg and that made me start to think about like oh where do superheroes come from we never talk about their parents we never think about like their mothers must be pretty badasses to be raising these <laughs> superheroes
0: wait so wait, wait. I'm, I'm gonna stop content. you right there because you mentioned that thor was played by um what did you say renee russo you meant, her, you meant Thor's mom. Yes. Got and it.
1: Thor is played by Chris Hemsworth.
0: Yes, exactly. I was like, wait a minute, hold yes. on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who is a hottie in of himself. Well, <laughs> actually the whole family. Um, yeah. And so, one, I have this love of comic books. And then I also was really, and it was understanding like, oh, where do these superheroes' parents come from, specifically their mothers? And then at the same time... I was looking for historical references to women using cannabis. And it turns out in that sort of mad Google page 14 of search results that Frigg, who was played in the Thor movies and is Thor's mom, Mm -hmm. actually was worshipped by Viking women who used cannabis in a number of their plant ceremonies. And so Frigg is a Viking goddess. She's the Viking goddess of intuition, wisdom, and self-healing. And women during the Bronze Age would reference and revere Frigg as a way to tap into plant magic. And so in these archaeological digs of these particular women, they found two things, cannabis seeds and gold, which currently are some of my two favorite things. (laughs) And so these women, in using cannabis in their... Uh, magic practices and their healing practices, often for childbirth. Hmm. And before the men went into war, um, these women were highly paid with gold. And so this tradition happened for hundreds of years until we saw early Christianity come across, across Europe. And so we saw this distance between paganism and goddess culture. And then we saw the rise of the church. And then science and medicine became the realm of men. And no longer the realm of women and plants and herbology. And so that was just a fascinating story because I think in 2020, we're sort of returning to plant wellness and plant magic. And yeah. we're seeing people um, embrace either adaptogens or natural solutions or cannabis. or And some people, you know, are kind of graduating up to some other plant magic. And so this was so timely for me. And so that's why I named my company after
0: her. Amazing, amazing context there. Okay, so I do want to know a bit more about, because, you know, I, I work in the world of beauty. I know you have as well, and you you do now. Um, so let's kind of take it back a bit. Let's chat about your your hair and beauty um, sort of experience growing up in your childhood childhood household, were there any rituals that were passed down to you within your family and that you still do today?
1: Well, I definitely don't do any of the ones that were passed down because my hair was seen as just a nappy mess that needed tons and tons of relaxer. Mm. And uh, my mom, never. we never went to a hairdresser But she was quick to put relaxer in my hair, like every two to three weeks. Oh my gosh! It was very, it was very intense. That woman did not love. I mean, I don't remember ever really having a hairstyle, and I think, uh, I think it would be called bullying now. Although I didn't really think of it at the time. But one of the ways my mom would stretch the relaxer would be to put Jerry Curl activator in my hair. (laughs)
2: Oh, my gosh. Even though I didn't
1: have a dairy curl. And so kids would make fun of me and call me, uh, what was it? They would call me Grease Monkey, which oh I God. didn't really understand what that meant. And I've always had a very delusional type of self-esteem where I actually thought that was like a term of endearment.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> and years later oh. that? years like, later, I was like, oh, that both was racist and also... <laughs>
0: Oh but my gosh!
1: Time, I had no idea, none. Um, but when I look back on photos now, I just had sort of like drippy hair, and my shoulders like just had grease on them. Yeah, he. Um, like wave nouveau grease. Yep. And when I went to college, that was the time of like Erica Badu and like this sort of like first wave of conscious. I don't even know what that is, conscious soul, but it was like yep. head wraps and incense and mm-hmm. so then I had dreadlocks for ten years. Oh, and you then did. Yep. And cool. I had like the non pretty manicured ones. I had the like just like they were growing into each other, artistic ones. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The artistic <laughs> ones. <laughs>
2: Freeform. and
1: uh, Yeah, it was just very free flowing. And then uh, I did a big chop. I mean, I've done so many big chops uh, and then started wearing braids. And only recently have I started exploring like weaves and wigs. Uh-huh. Um, and that's just because I just got tired during COVID of actually just doing my own natural hair. Yeah. I no knew. particular reason. Like if I'm just going to be here, then like let's throw a wig on it. Yep. Um, this is my first year of ever using a wig. Oh uh, okay. Say, okay. I'm, I'm convinced and I get it now.
0: <laughs> it's a different I love world. It. It's a different world we're living in now, right? Like before back in the day you know some you wouldn't be caught dead wearing a wig or you wouldn't want to tell anybody that you were wearing a wig right like but now it's completely different it's embraced it's something that was encouraged it's something that is actually you know uh people are people are totally exploring their style versatility by switching it up at the drop of a dime and I totally get the convenience piece of it like I've been I've been you know throwing one on here and there for zoom meetings when I can't be bothered to you know get up a little earlier to you know take down my twist outs or whatever it is so I hear you
1: yeah and I just want to call out that like I had these artistic dreadlocks while working at a big three consulting firm so I uh, was unaware of the cultural (gasps) impacts that I was making Um, I mean I knew I wasn't fitting in but I didn't necessarily associate it with my hair or didn't care probably was more of the case. And no one ever talked to me about it. Um, Do you so think- I think I've never really had one of those instances, of. uh, her hair is holding her back. I think probably just like me in general was enough of a threat, <laughs> <laughs> but now I've never gotten, um, I never gotten feedback one or
0: the other about my hair. Do you think that you would treat it differently because of your hair thinking back now?
1: Not probably because of my hair, but just because I was pretty defiant, just in mm-hmm. general. Of I openly would tell people, uh, I'm here for two years before I go to grad school. And after grad school, I'm here for two years before I start my company. And I'm here for two years. Before, like <laughs> There was always a timeline that was very well known.
0: <laughs> Everybody knew
2: where you <laughs> were this at. It was just
1: a stopping ground. And I didn't know that I was that blatant about it until... People recently told me, like, we definitely knew that you were a short timer at every job
0: you've had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Okay, so that's actually a, a pretty good segue to my next question for you: Is what has your experience been like being black, a female, and a CMO, really at this intersection of where cannabis, beauty, and wellness meets as industries?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because i i was unaware that I was the first cmo at when i when it was happening um mm. in the sense that everything was so new and i think that's what i want to paint the scene of so in 2016 there is a law that says hey we, cannabis is now legal that didn't mean that banks were taking your money. That didn't mean that you could get an office. That didn't mean that your email wasn't shut down by Google. That didn't mean that cops didn't pull you over. Like imagine a brand new industry happening overnight. Yeah. And so I wasn't so I wasn't thinking about my career and I'm the chief marketing officer of this growing company. Cause what was a company if before 2016, it was a bunch of dudes who were sitting on cash cash. Uh, and either they sold in high school or they were a grower or something. Mm-hmm. And then after 2016, it was the same <laughs> where most of our money was literally in random vaults or in random drawers. It was just like everywhere. There was no bank account. Um, wow. We didn't have business cards. Half my team didn't use email. Like it wasn't. What? So when people were reading all these articles of like, Oh, she's a CMO and this growing executive, Like, I wasn't thinking from an executive perspective because I was working out of a master bedroom. We were growing plants downstairs. We were making stuff in a crock pot. Um, Every Like, we couldn't get an ad agency. No one would take our money. And yet we were making millions of dollars a month.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's insane. That is really insane. Okay. (laughs) Gotcha. So, I mean, clearly it sounds like there were challenges left right and center being you know in in that particular moment in time right like the fact that you were making so much money legally by the way yeah but you weren't able to take that money to a bank because the bank didn't want to be or couldn't you know I guess didn't want to be associated with businesses that were generating revenue through the cannabis industry which again was legal
1: Correct. And so I think the difference is it's legal in the state of California. In California, sure. It is not legal federally. And so banks deal with money around the world. And so why take money from this emerging industry, from this one state when in 49 other states it's illegal? (laughs) Why? So what you're dealing with is it forces you to be incredibly local even till this day, mm-hmm. it's better to work with a printer or a packaging company who is based in California.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: because yeah. it might not reflect the values of that company if they're based in another state. And so that's still, today it's a, a little bit more corporate. I mean, there's offices and you can have a bank account. You file taxes normally, mm-hmm. but still. Um, it's you still run across a lot of hurdles because it is technically like one small thing is getting your packaging from China. I mean, we were stupid to leave the word cannabis on the packaging. (laughs) Guess where cannabis is illegal. China. China. (laughs) (laughs) And things get stuck in the port and and all these types of things. And you have to answer to customs. And there's a stuff, there's a hundred yard strip of freeway in the state of California that actually is federal. Oh
0: my god. And so they would have
1: cops that, that would like sit there and watch you. Oh
2: if they gosh. knew all
1: these cannabis companies were picking up their deliveries because there was no other way to get across because it was this one sort of stretch. So
0: there's a lot of interesting uh, complexities in the space. Well, let me just tell you that right now, (laughs) quite (laughs) poignantly, I am feeling a certain level of anxiety just listening to all (laughs) the various different like complexities that you have to deal with in working in this space. So listen, since this episode is like all about, breaking down the stigma of what I call the, the ABCs, right? So anxiety, beauty, and cannabis. Let's pivot to stress and anxiety right now, because, you know, with the latest data that's that's out there, it's super clear that Black women actually are one of the, the largest groups of people um, in this country who are the most anxious, they are the most stressed, uh, and the most exhausted groups. Um, basically you know when you're look when you when looking at black women in the workplace today right there is such an insurmountable amount of pressure for, for us right to to deliver and meet the goals that have been set out for us and and just show up yeah we're, we're expected to show up in our you know full selves despite the level of hurdles that have been placed in front of us, like, I don't know, the disruption of COVID and, you know, the effect and impact that COVID, COVID has had in our homes and our within our families, um, despite, you know, the impact of all the social injustices that have been happening, not just this year, but, you know, it, for time immemorial. Um, there are the daily microaggressions that we experience, both in at work and outside of work. Um, you're constantly, and we're constantly hearing and, you know, we've lived this, you know, you and I, we've worked in the corporate world. So we have been a part of the group of people or women who have not been considered for promotions, right? At the same rate as our white peers. Um, but yeah, we still have to work twice as hard to be seen as just equal to our white counterparts. Um, You know, I know that 1.6% of VP roles um, are made up of, you know, Black individuals and only 1.4% of Black people make up the C-suite positions, right? When we actually make up over 7% of the U.S. population. So like all of those things that I just, you know, threw out there are all just a handful of things and reasons why black women are stressed in the corporate world. Um, I know that you've experienced anxiety. You know, we talked through that some time ago, but tell us a little bit more about that experience for you and, and how you ended up getting over it, if you did. Yeah.
1: So I think this is a good time to share my story as it relates to anxiety, but also to do a little deep dive into the the science. Cause I realized we haven't really talked about like why cannabis, because it wasn't because I wanted to get high. (laughs) I didn't try (laughs) cannabis until I was 32 years old. And it was like, as I mentioned at the top of the show, because my mother had suggested it from a very medical perspective. So I think this is a good time to kind of like, talk through that, but also the stress moment. And so you triggered me to the exact moment where I was like, I know I need to start something for myself Mm -hmm. and I need to spread this gospel in a different way. So, um, this was maybe 2018, 2017. So cannabis had been legal for a year. Um, the industry was starting to develop, um, we had rules and regulations and everyone was trying to figure things out. I remember being at a team retreat at this point. I am the CMO chief marketing officer. There we go. There's no other, say everyone proud. else is reporting to me. Right. And there's a VP of sales and the whatnot, but like there's two people who have C-suite. I'm one of the, in the C category. Right. And then
0: everyone else is kind of a VP level. Can we just take a so- pause for a minute and just. Give you a round of applause for that. That's amazing. amazing.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. And um and I should say I was of the executives, and like I don't say this in a shade way, but I was the only one who had an MBA, the only one who actually had done my job function before. <laughs> so you everyone had the seats. else ever had Known, like, had worked with weed before and to like knew how to develop with it, like, underground for the last 20 years, or they had sold cannabis in high school and college, and like we're now trying to like formalize that skill set, or they had some other skill set, but that wasn't the job they were doing in this role. In other words, so anyway, in
0: other words, Kimberly had (laughs) receipts,
1: right? (laughs) So, I we were sitting at a, a team retreat. And it was, and I think at this time, there was like 14 men and me. And I was the only one that's really like not married mm-hmm. or partnered. They're all white, except for one. Um, they're all six, three and above. <laughs> and they're all hardcore smokers. Um, and we're sitting in this retreat and we're going around the room and we're talking about our accountability and and what our roles are. And it's this thought exercise that sometimes an org chart is different than your accountability chart and that you're actually more accountable than what your role is. So you're going around the room. That's actually a pretty dumb exercise in a, in a startup because if you have sales in your title, you're doing sales. (laughs) If you have operations and that's how it went around the room. I'm the VP of operations. I am in charge of operations. I'm the (laughs) VP of sales. I'm in charge of sales. Right. Gets to me. I'm like, I'm in charge of marketing. And this, the most junior person, most junior executive in the room (laughs) rose his hand and was like, is Kimberly in charge of marketing? What? Because I think (laughs) Kimberly is in charge of like event planning and she's in charge of communications but is she in charge of strategic marketing decisions that can drive our company forward
0: wait but this is you as cmo
1: this is me as cmo (laughs) no one has been questioned this entire time
0: oh my gosh except for me can i just say i just got off a um a corporate (laughs) diversity and inclusion training literally an hour before this call And they walk through all the microaggressions and micro-insults. If that isn't a micro-insult on the macro scale, I don't know what that is.
1: And I did not have the tools in my natural life to, like, really address. I mean, I, unfortunately, just went off. In the bet. like, I went off so, like, I read him so swiftly and intensely that like he was starting to be uncomfortable and almost as if he was the victim of the situation. (laughs) Also, they've never seen me lose my chill. And afterwards, I had several men come up to me and they're like, I don't think that would have happened if you weren't Black or a woman. And at the time, I thought that was solidarity. Solidarity would have been not being in that situation in the first place. For real. (laughs) Are them speaking up But at the time, I'm used to breadcrumbs. So I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have had to defend myself. Two weeks later, I go on vacation. Go on vacation to Tulum. I'm like, screw these people. I'm going to figure out my life, blah, blah, blah. So stressed out. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. I'm going to be my company all this time. And I am the only one with an MBA. I am the chief marketing officer. And someone is debating whether I can do marketing or not. Wow. And devolved my role to the party girl. My (laughs) Also, I'm the only one who doesn't really smoke weed as much as the rest of you guys do. So (laughs) also more productive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk about stereotypes later.
1: Yes. (laughs) So I I go to Tulum. Tulum is very spiritual, but I completely forgot my luggage and my phone in just like moments of stress but I did have oh. this random bottle of CBD oil with CBD lube that someone had given to me and I didn't want to go into town yet. I was in a very remote part of Tulum. And I remember in a focus group that some black women in this particip- in this study had said that they had used again, lubricant right. <laughs> on their hair to take down their braids to like remove the tension because CBD lubricant can help with sexual pain and also provide moisturization for women who have a lot of dryness. Okay. So I looked at the ingredients. I'm like, well, basically a CBD oil and a bunch of herbs, same herbs that could be in a hair product. Mm-hmm. So I start to use this lube in my scalp.
0: Wow. <laughs> and I start,
1: and I was like, wow, this has been the best take down I've ever, <laughs> I've ever been a part of. would have known? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this on my face. And so I was in Tulum for two weeks, and I come back, and, and people start to say, oh, wow, your skin looks really radiant. And I'm like, yeah, I just got off vacation. I kept the routine up, and then people were like, no, your skin is really clear, and the texture is really, really smooth. Mm-hmm. And I had noticed that my skin had gotten really smooth, and I was like, hmm. And then I started connecting the dots. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this CBD tincture, our lubricant, has fundamentally changed my skin. And so I started to do some research. And I should mention to the listeners the company that I worked for, in which I was a CMO, is the number one CBD company for pain management. And we produced medical balms, lotions, mm-hmm. oils, and other topicals to reduce pain and inflammation in the body. Our consumers were often seniors. they were athletes yoga instructors people who had arthritis people who had psoriasis eczema but Mm. like on the medical side so even though i was working in cannabis and yes maybe the employees were smoking we were very much working in a topical space selling lotions got it (laughs) so then a hard jump for me to move from medical lotions to more beauty-focused topicals. And so that was my aha moment. And then I started connecting the dots as I was doing these beauty formulations and started talking to doctors about what I was working on. And they said, actually, Kimberly, it would be interesting for you to explore the connection between anxiety and stress, which is the number one reason why people use CBD tinctures and how it relates to your hair and
0: skin. So break down tinctures. Tinctures. What is a tincture?
1: A tincture is usually a cannabinoid like CBD in MCT oil or coconut oil. It could be in any oil. It actually doesn't even have to be a CBD. Uh, tinctures are an oil-based infusion of an herb or some type of plant that is soaked in a fat. So Go like it. olive oil or oil and then the benefits of the herb are now in the oil usually you take these tinctures underneath the tongue sublingually or you can swallow them oh i see got it i'm clear (laughs) so uh cbd is often and cbd oil usually refers to a cbd tincture which is the practice of putting cannabis in oil and removing in that process the cannabinoids will um leach out into the oil and therefore you're taking it. So that's actually a good stopping point for me to go over some science terms. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that. Of, of, of cannabis and science. So cannabis is a plant. Let's start Check. there. It Check. is a plant. Hemp <laughs> is also a plant, you will hear. Hemp and cannabis are in fact the same plant. Okay. <laughs> there is nothing different between the two. Both are technically called a cannabis sativa plant. Call that the sativa plant has been used for thousands of years and has been documented in lots of medical books. So it was first you Frigg and the Vikings, you're using it in the Bronze Age, it was also um, documented in early Egypt, it was also documented in early Chinese pharmacopoeias, it was also documented in a lot of pagan European traditions, so have been used for thousands of years, primarily for anxiety, sleep, and pain. Okay, super clear. It's been a rough, cannabis, this plant and hemp. Why we even have this term hemp is that in the United States we legally define hemp as having um, less of one particular molecule. Than what we would consider cannabis. And the molecule they care about is what's called THC. Yeah. THC and CBD are cannabinoids. They're technically called phytocannabinoids because they're cannabinoids that come from plants. Got it. Here's where it gets real interesting our body produces cannabinoids called endocannabinoids. I read that <laughs> the and body- I was like, really?
0: Never do that. Which
1: is, I can't is one of the few plants that can have such a profound impact on our bodies, it's because we're actually producing a very similarly structured compound called endocannabinoids. And again, cannabis plant or the hemp plant has phytocannabinoids. Mm -hmm. The ones that we're talking about right now, CBD, but there's also THC, but there's over a hundred cannabinoids. And we only talk about the two of them. And the reason why is that it's still not federally legal, which means you cannot federally research the plant in the United States. And you can't even so research it. So most of it. our knowledge about cannabis actually comes from Israel, Colombia, and Mexico and other countries where it is legal and where it can be studied. So... We have phytocannabinoids from plants. We have endocannabinoids, which our body produces. The endocannabinoids reproduce primarily modulate your mood. And in fact, the main one is called andamine. And andamine means bliss molecule. It is the molecule that makes you happy. (laughs) Andamine. Therefore, it makes sense when you take something like when you smoke weed and the stereotype is like everyone's giggly and happy. Oh. Because THC is very similarly structured to this one endocannabinoid. Not CBD. Th- <laughs> THC. Okay, when so you, smoke, you could also kind of get happy cuz it's mimicking
0: a molecule that like, your body naturally produces. Got it. So THC so THC and CBD are like the two popular, big popular molecules that everyone's talking about that's found within cannabis. And you're saying that THC is the molecule that that's the one that makes you high, right? And Correct. And CBD is the one that kind of gives you that kind of um, calming, relaxing, soothing effect.
1: Yeah, and so- there is a, the third piece of this. So we've now understood what cannabinoids are and that cannabis and hemp are the same plant. Yep. And we now understood that our body produces endocannabinoids and phytocannabinoids like CBD and THC come from the cannabis plant. The third piece of this is that we actually have a system in our bodies called the endocannabinoid system system. What is wild is that this system was discovered in the late 80s. What? So think about other systems. You have the endocrine system. um, You have the nervous system. You have the digestive system. And so this system we're talking about is actually named similarly to cannabis, endocannabinoid system. What this system was discovered to do in the body is that it's your air traffic control center for things that happen in the background. Like sleep, like temperature, like pain, like itching, like growing your fingernail, like growing hair follicles, like turning over skin cells. It's all these things that you don't theoretically tell your body go to sleep. You Mm -hmm. don't theoretically tell your body grow hair you don't theoretically tell your body scratch that itch or your something right has to send that response yeah and those responses is controlled by the in the cannabinoid system which is why in the early sort of use of um cannabis we often see When you smoke cannabis, it can have this huge sort of impact on your body. It's because it's interacting with your ECS. Your ECS Mm. has two receptors in the body, one that's in the brain and one that's in your skin. Okay. The one that's in your skin interacts very nicely with CBD. The ones that are in your brain interact very nicely with THC. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why when you take THC internally through smoking or an edible, you get high because those receptors are in your brain. Gotcha. And basically it's confusing all the messages that it's usually doing. Your balance, your temperature, your itching, your pain, your mood, all of these things that your ECS does in the brain now has gotten topsy-turvy because there's another cannabinoid in the mix. Got it. THC. And then the CBD, CBD with the receptors. is in the skin. Yeah. And so primarily what it's doing in the skin is helping like, is, is Kimberly experiencing pain right now? Is Kimberly experiencing inflammation right now? Is Kimberly experiencing a sunburn right now? Is Kimberly's skin too oily? Is Kimberly's hair follicle need to grow? <laughs> it's doing sort of all of these skin related Uh, bodily response mechanisms Hmm. and so the power of cbd on your skin depending on the correct dosing is that it can stop the feeling of pain so people who have arthritis let's say it can stop and rebalance out your oil production which is why some people will report that they get less breakouts or their skin texture uh, is better it can Produce more oil if you do not have enough oil production, which is why some people's skin feels more hydrated. Yeah. It can help hair growth and hair loss if there's some reason like psoriasis or alopecia or pain of the scalp while your hair follicle hasn't come out. So basically what CBD is doing in the skin and as it relates to beauty is is balancing your body out because something was out of whack. And now it is rebalancing, recalibrating and putting it to balance because the ECS, the endocannabinoid system, main goal is balance. Balance. It literally is also the reason why you have balance (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it actually
0: is for balance. Interesting. So that guys is the reason why, because I know there'll be some moms and dads and grandparents listening to this. So that's the reason why if you were to use uh, a balm or an oil that has CBD within the formula and you're applying it to your skin, you won't get high. You won't get high <laughs> because it doesn't have you will THC.
1: Not get high.
2: Correct.
0: Got it. You can actually use THC
1: on your skin. It's actually pretty great for people who have very, very acute pain and you You also won't get high on your skin because, again, the receptors for THC are primarily in the brain. Right. So cannabis on the skin really won't get you high because it's not in your it's not really getting into your bloodstream. It's really when you smoke or you ingest it and it's going into your brain where you're going to feel that dysphoria. Now, I will say some people are going to feel a little something, something that's adjacent to maybe feeling high because feeling calm obviously does mean right. there's an impact somewhat yeah. because guess what there is skin near your brain <laughs> and yeah. on your scalp and like you know it 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 does have a slight calming effect but it's not the dysphoria that you get if you were to smoke not even remotely got it most people will not feel anything. Some people may feel some slight like, oh,
0: <laughs> but you won't be feeling high. <laughs> you are such a wealth of information. This is so good. Thank you for breaking all of that down for, for, for me and for all, everyone that's listening. So amazing. Like This is, you know, this is definitely a super interesting topic that I haven't discussed on this podcast so far. And I honestly couldn't think of a, a better person to, to lead the discussion. So again, I'm so glad you're here so okay so corporate world you went to tulum you found um a cbd oil or you had a cbd oil a tincture you used it on your scalp to take down your braids on your face you came back from vacation everyone's raving about how radiant your skin looks but go back to the anxiety point like how did you eventually beat that uh or was it a case of You simply removed yourself from working in the corporate world and started on, started your own thing.
1: So it was three things. Thank you for taking us back to that moment. So anxiety for me is, is is a chemical imbalance, and so when you have a lot of stress and anxiety, you're producing stress hormones. The hormones that I personally experience are adrenaline and cortisol, yeah, and usually those are the hormones that are signaling to the body something is wrong um and the best way to get rid of cortisol is exercise, which
0: <laughs> mm.
1: I also don't do that much of I love how you so, chuckle throughout
0: all these moments.
1: So that is something. So there's just a lot of cortisol stores in the body. And that becomes chronic stress. And that's actually incredibly relevant, I think, to black women, where all these microaggressions, your body in reaction are even to the non-reaction mm. of it. Yeah. So I think sometimes a lot of people don't realize. I never felt stressed out. I was never one to be like, oh girl, I'm burnt out. I can't do it. Like yes. if you saw me, I was superwoman all the time yes. and probably self-deluded myself that I was. Oh. But you are still
0: experiencing stress. Oh my gosh. Kimberly. Your body still knows. Oh my gosh. I am listen, I'm gonna have a very honest moment. Very honest moment. I I really resonate with what you've just said. Anyone who's ever worked with me or I've worked, you know, for or with will tell you that like you never see me stressed out. Okay. I am no. super calm. I'm super cool and collected. I, I hold all my stress inwardly. Um, again, I'm also an introvert, so I'm not very, you know, I'm not going to be the first one to put all my, you know, my fears, my concerns. I'm not going to scream, shout, or I'm not going to communicate that way outwardly. And all of that stuff builds, it builds inside. And I had a moment yesterday for the first time in a very long time where I think, I think I actually had some kind of anxiety attack or, you know, I just, it was like a dam that had been building. Mm. And I just stopped what I was doing because I've been moving very fast very recently. Um, with no moment to like I haven't seen I haven't stepped outside I haven't seen daylight I haven't like it's I had a moment and I just burst into tears and my husband walked in at some point not because he could hear me crying because I was crying again like very quietly like you wouldn't have been able to hear me because again I'm not very good at emoting so he came in because he had to come and grab something from the bedroom he found me there (laughs) kind of like tears rolling down my eyes, and you know, I just, he was like, what's wrong? And I I said to him, like, I I don't know. I just feel, I feel really stressed. And without going into too, you know, too much detail, because I don't want to take away from this episode, but, you know, he was like, let's, we have, we should have done this earlier. Let's, let's go outside. And we went for a nice walk and I was able to kind of, you know, download a little bit. And, you know, it really, what you just said about, you know, the way to counter stress and the hormone cortisol is, exercise that resonates with me. Like I, you know, I'm typically somebody who's active and works out and I haven't for the last few months and I got to this tipping point. So sorry to, you know, take you away from. No,
1: it's so incredibly relevant because I feel like also in the black community, you know, we, there's a lot of different things, right? We don't talk about mental health. No. We also don't necessarily talk about physical fitness in the way mm-hmm. it's very charged in the sense that we're thick and curvy. And to, to, like, outright say I'm fat or I'm overweight is a very charged thing, I think, to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Because you can kind of hide it with, like, girl, I'm thick. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> thick has gotten way, like, overused. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I was like,
1: mm, I've moved Thick was about two sizes ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <I pass that. laughs>
1: um, and so, you know, back to like the causes of stress as this cortisol and this adrenaline, it can be stored in your body. And when people often have things like PCOS, our lupus, our endometriosis, or a lot of these other conditions that are common in our communities, they can be aggregate, aggravated by stress. Mm. And when we say that it's being aggravated by cortisol. <laughs> and adrenaline these things that are stored in your body now what's interesting i had said anxiety one of the top reasons why people use cbd oil in tincture form um is for anxiety because cbd internally so we're talking you've you've taken it as an edible or a tincture or you've smoked it um reduces anxiety because cbd the molecule fights Cortisol, <laughs>
2: mm.
1: so that is one sort of pillar, and so I specifically use CBD in tincture format. Well, I use a tea, uh, a frig tea actually, that to reduce my cortisol. Two exercise is profound, and it's not even like crossfit exercise it is literally just walking
2: yeah (laughs) so it doesn't
1: have to be aggressive as you just mentioned and i think the third thing that is something that i also think is slightly taboo is really around meditation and breath work oh my gosh so it's been proven that mindful thinking and so actually before i got into cannabis i was i was gonna go either into cannabis or meditation Hmm. Because there was a rise of meditation studios here in LA. I go to Din Meditation, and it was the first time where I, and stupid would hate that I describe it as this, but it's kind of like the Starbucks of meditation. Oh, I see. In the sense, on every corner. <laughs> You know, it's very beautiful. It's like meditation up until a couple years ago was like Buddhist monks or whatever. A lot of chanting, very, I would say, severe. (laughs) And with the rise of meditation studios here in L.A., it's very much like going into a Starbucks and there's beautiful music, and the chairs are beautiful and comfortable, Mm -hmm. and there's free tea and coffee, and you're only there for like 40 minutes, but you're only really meditating for maybe 22 minutes. It's very (laughs) doable. Yeah,
0: yeah, I hear that.
1: And uh, (laughs) I started doing that, and my whole life force changed. Mm. And meditation here in L.A. is actually – Um, partially if anyone is in LA listening, UCLA has this program called maps where you can actually be trained in meditation and mindfulness for free paid for by some rich dude who gave money to UCLA. So I went through that program. They will send you books and all the teaching materials Hmm. (laughs) and you go through this whole practice on how to be mindful and how to sit and sit in meditation. And so meditation, they've done, what UCLA is doing is it's in the neuroscience department. They've actually looked at uh, brain scans. And when you meditate and you breathe without a lot of thinking activity, you can actually reduce the cortisol that your body produces and you can actually calm yourself <laughs> and they can see the activity reducing on a CAT
0: scan. That's amazing. When you sit. In silence. That is amazing, and honestly, it's one of the things that I've had, you know, on my on my list of okay, I've got to I've got to get into meditation. I've been I'm definitely way better at it now than I used to be in the past. And even when my husband found me in the bedroom yesterday, and he was like, "What's wrong?" and I told him, and he was like, "You haven't meditated in a while, have you?" And I hadn't. I, I hadn't. You know, I got back into it today, but I think there's you know, there's a certain level of discipline that comes with meditation though, right? Because for people like, I don't know, type A's like, my, like myself, maybe even like you, like, I, I, I personally find it very difficult to sit down and not do anything and not think about anything. So yeah, it's, it's, meditation is great, an amazing way to kind of relieve stress and to focus, but it also takes practice.
1: It does. Now, I'm kind of of the variety that meditation can be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that listening, I think sometimes engaging in music can be meditative. I think some type forms of dance. I think some there's other activities that you can swoop it in. But I do think being still is a key part of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I found that sound baths, Oh yeah. Uh, are the best way in for me and I do them at home. Sometimes I do them with crystals and sometimes I just do it with uh, uh instrumental music. Okay. Because I focus on the music. The reason why I like sound baths um is because often they're not following a melody.
0: Mm, <laughs> so yeah. the music
1: the sounds are very ca I don't know how to say the word, but like you can't predict where the next sound is coming. So now my brain is thinking about what tone is coming, not my groceries, not my weight, not that argument, not where the world's going, not the pandemic. It's like, wow, that was a sharp sound and it still happened. Oh, there's another sound. Oh, is that a raindrop? What sound is this? And I'm Mm -hmm. in the focus of the music and therefore not thinking about anything else. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. So that was my way into meditation or chanting, just sitting in silence, never going to happen. <laughs> I need uh, an activity. I need to be breathing or chanting or listening to a sound bath. And basically what that's doing is just reducing my thinking process. Mm-hmm. And that stress, Taking it full circle, not only is that stress hurting you internally, but it really affects how you look, which can also put you into what I call this stress cycle. So when you have bad skin, air quotes, bad skin, because what's bad? Bad skin. Yeah. But when you have like a lot of breakouts or when you have discoloration, you can start to feel bad about yourself. Mm. And th- sometimes those breakouts are coming because you're stressed. Yeah. hyperpigmentation can happen because you're stressed. <laughs> hair loss and hair thinning and where those edges
0: go happen when you're stressed. Then you get stressed about that. And now you're on this cycle. (laughs) So real. And just taking it back even further, like those are all things that we hear within our black community, right? Like our girlfriends, our cousins, our mothers, like, you know, my edges, I'm losing my edges. And like, you know, my, my skin's breaking out and all of these things are things that are impacting our community. So honestly, this is i'm hoping that all of you out there are are have your notebooks out like find ways that you can get into that will allow you to relieve stress like whether it's taking a walk whether it's just sitting down for 5 to 10 minutes and breathing whether it is working out whether it's cooking whatever it is that calms you that f down like that is what we all need to be embedded in yeah on a day-to-day
1: and that was my motivation behind starting frig in the sense so we launched in july so it's only been a few months and so we launched with a hair oil a face oil and a sleep tea and it was really to introduce this concept of using cannabinoids to address this impact of stress inside and out um and so We are using CBD. We're using another cannabinoid we haven't talked about yet on this call, which is called CBG, which is similar to CBD, but it has even stronger anti-inflammation properties. And so when we um, thought about the hair potion, we thought about A, dryness is like Mm -hmm. the number one concern that black women and a lot of women have as it relates to both their scalp and their hair. And then two, I was specifically interested in, um, stopping inflammation because I wear a lot of weaves now. Um, and that is a lot of tension on your scalp. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I was having the healthiest sort of scalp for hair growth yep. and fighting that inflammation, fighting dandruff. Um, and so that is the formula that we developed for the hair potion. And so what we have found is people who have really dry scalps and people who have painful scalps, and people who are tend to dandruffs or psoriasis on the scalp have seen a lot of benefits.
0: Have, then, when we move over to the, go ahead. I want to talk about this hair potion. I have it in my hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sending it. Like honestly, I I want to say the week before I started using it, I was playing around with a wig unit, right? So, and you know, some of these wig units they come with clips. You know that that you kind of clip into, you know, into your hair quite close to the scalp. And when you're wearing those units, and I, I know I'm preaching to the converted here, right? Most of my listeners probably have had the experience of wearing wig units. But for those who don't know, those clips, especially when you wear a unit for a whole day, a couple of days, whatever, they start to kind of like uh, your scalp slightly. You get a little tension because sometimes, you know, you might clip them in too tight or a little friction and your scalp in that area where the clips are tend to, uh, tends to kind of, um, you you tend to find dandruff there and your scalp tends to feel a little tense and tight there. So I did use your attuning hair potion that particular week. And I have to say that I did definitely feel, Um, a sense of, you know, soothing, I guess, in those areas. And I would just apply it to those areas, like after a day of wearing my wig unit. And, you know, within that same evening by the next morning, like my scalp feels less tense and less tight and, and good to go. So I do like it. And I have been adding it to my deep conditioning masks as well.
2: Love.
1: Yeah, and we and thank you for bringing that up because you know, for a small collection, we wanted to make it multifunctional, and so we include recipes and talk about ways that you can add it to your conditioner or your moisturizer, etc. Yeah. Even though we have plans on rolling those products out, part of it was sort of tapping into that intuition, which is what Frig is known for, of like figuring out what's best for you um, and creating the products that you might need for the moment. Um, our next product was our Tuning Face po- Potion, and that's really designed to help with smoothing out rough textures and rough patches, mm-hmm. really sealing in moisture, so it's not a moisturizer, it's a face oil, so it's the last step. Yeah. And then third is sort of like really, it's not advertised as brightening, but that is part of the feedback that we get, is that you just will have a smooth and Clearer complexion, and that's for a number of reasons. One, it's anti-inflammatory. Two, CBD is rather is anti-inflammatory. Two, for us, it wasn't just about the CBD. So there's a lot of other really great ingredients like squalene um, within that product that yeah. really. Re- it feels and acts very similar to your skin's natural sebum, so mm-hmm. it's not meant to be like an oil slick on the top of your face. Right. Because <laughs> some people scare, get scared of face oils. Like, we really looked for oils that had the same molecular weight as your own um, sebum.
2: Love that. And
1: then my favorite oil is sea buckthorn oil, which mm-hmm. is like this gorgeous gorgeous oil that is like rich in omega fatty acids just to really like nourish the skin mm-hmm. and we even thought through like the sense because we wanted the sense to be very uplifting mm-hmm. so that when you're having that moment um of of putting it on that scent actually can activate your ecs system which we talked about yep. as can pressure points so like the reason why face rolling and guashoa and the, et cetera, the Chinese practice this with uh, cannabis, that massage is actually one of the best ways to combine cannabis of any way you take it mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's tapping into the ECS system. And so all, all
0: that was sort of built into that formula, even the scents. So if I, because I, I have, if, again, I have my potions here, my hair potion and my face mo- potion. Just opening it up, and I told you that how much I love the smell of it. It's so calming, and I'm big on yeah. senses, I'm big on fragrances. So, are you saying that if I was to take a few drops of this and apply these to my pressure points and in a massage motion, that I might feel some calming benefits from that?
1: Yes, and so it's interesting. The thing, the one thing we didn't talk about from our little cannabis science section is that. Um, Cannabis and the reason why it smells a certain way, we've all smelled what weed smells like, <laughs> yep. maybe, um, is from a thing called terpenes. And terpenes, we're familiar with, but we might not have called it that. Terpenes is what makes aromatherapy aromatherapy. It, it's the scent or the smell um, of a particular plant. Yep. But what we found in doing research with cannabinoids is that those terpenes, actually can influence how your own body's cannabinoids work. So back to your endocannabinoids or how cannabinoids from different strains. And so if anyone's ever actually smoked weed, you know, there's a bunch of different strains. What makes the strains different are the terpenes and terpenes can make are what makes you want to sleep or not sleep to eat Mm -hmm. or not eat. It sort of influences the effects of the cannabis strain One very popular terpene that's found in a lot of plants and also in cannabis that activates your ECS and makes you feel calm is linalool, which is Mm. in lavender, but also very prominent in cannabis. And you'll see this word linalool in lots of beauty products today. But the plants that have the most terpenes on the planet is cannabis, (laughs) which is why you have all sort of these strains. And so... You can actually sort of tell by a scent what the theoretical impact, or not impact, but effects might be. So we specifically picked terpenes
0: that induce calmness. Got it. So you guys are totally informed by science. And I think that's one of the reasons why, well, it's definitely you know a big reason why I'm super intrigued about your company and Frigg is that you're actually leaning into you know, um, experts, right. So I understand that you guys have developed a, uh, like a scientific advisory board. Like, can you tell us a bit about that, why that was important to you and and who exactly is the board made up of?
1: Yeah. For two reasons. One CBD, like CBD has only been legal in the United States since December of 2018. So we're coming up on year two, (laughs) And if you think about it, like CBD has exploded. It hasn't even been regulated yet. And so what you're seeing is a lot of confusion around CBD. It's still very much illegal to advertise it on Facebook, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of confusion across state lines. Basically, it's still relatively new. And yet there's so much of it that a lot of people are dismissing it as snake oil. Like CBD doesn't work because I bought this CBD at 7-Eleven. (laughs) <laughs> and my argument would set be like, theore- Like you, you shouldn't be buying CBD at 7-Eleven. <laughs> One. <laughs> and two, I, I, I don't think it's just about CBD. I think it's about using cannabinoids with other ingredients that we know work. And it's the sum of the holes more than the individual parts. It's about yeah. the formula. Mm -hmm. And so just buying CBD is is like step one, but it's really about buying into the right company and into the right formulas and the right like end results. Um, And so for me, I wanted a scientific advisory board to kind of overcome that hesitancy and confusion in the market. And then two, to really push the science of it because it is such a new industry. We have a lot of what I would call kitchen sink businesses (laughs) where you can just add CBD to anything without understanding the dose, without understanding the interaction with other molecules. CBD, for one example, CBD um, and a lot of other cannabinoids are very heat sensitive and they can actually change into another molecule or their potency can change simply by being out in the sun. Oh, really? So who's to say, if you're not testing something correctly, whether or not, like, your formula is less or stronger than advertised because it hasn't been stored in a cool, dark place. Mm. (laughs) Um, Dosing amounts can vary. So when we talk about, like, medical conditions that are solved by CBD of one that's, like, I feel pretty confident is a, a strong solution Was epilepsy. We've seen a lot of CBD and epileptic kids like provide relief from seizures, but it's very dose dependent and it's in a parabola form. Parabola is an upside down U. For those of us who forgot about algebra. (laughs) So basically (laughs) me, let's say like (laughs) you're starting at zero, right? And then at five milligrams, you might be like, okay, I'm seeing some good success. And then at 10 milligrams, you're seeing twice the amount of five milligrams. So now you will think, you know what, if I do 20 milligrams, I'm gonna have four times as much success.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: because it's a parabola, 20 milligrams might actually start putting you into an adverse effect. And 25 Ah. milligrams might take it to a whole nother place entirely. And 40 milligrams, you might actually be high, which is hard to do with CBD. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) there's a parabola effect. It's not a linear effect where more isn't better. But we live in America, or I live in America, and... You know, we love to put like big numbers on things. So you'll see CBD is like a thousand max, 2,000 <laughs> max, 5,000 max. So <laughs> and that very actually, good. actually is more destructive than something that has less. And so that was a long winded way to say that this is still relatively new science. Mm-hmm. And because there's not a lot of regulations and people can just add it into things, there's just a lot of, Sketchy products out there, so it was important for me to work with a lot of different scientists, um, to really push forward efficacious products, especially because black people are, I think, extra critical when we think of like, uh, what is that theater in Harlem? I just don't think, as a black entrepreneur, you could target black people and not have a product that works, right? Like, I think we're just so critical. People that I can't, you know, I I wouldn't dare put something out there that I didn't believe and also
0: could prove exactly. (laughs) Well, you know what? That that's actually the perfect segue because you because you know clearly you're super transparent about what's in your products and you know you guys seem to do a lot a lot of rigorous testing and what again one of the things that I do appreciate and I wish I would see across more brands is you actually share the test results right there on your website. So consumers can see before they even purchase. I love that.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, and I hope that actually the cannabis industry influences uh, the beauty industry broadly. Because in cannabis, and I'm talking THC on the in the state of California, um, testing is highly required because we're so concerned oh my gosh, what if someone dies from cannabis, which has almost never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we were testing uh, a lot of our products on the cannabis side, we kept failing a test. And this was at my old company. And I'm like, what's causing this to fail? Because we tested the cannabis on itself. It was fine. Mm -hmm. Then we tested the finished good and it's no longer fine. And it turned Mm -hmm. out that the lavender (laughs) that we bought Failed a test for the safety requirements of cannabis. So then we got another lavender provider, and we failed again. And we went to the top ten importers of lavender, and it all failed for lead. Oh, really? Because essential oils in this country are not regulated. I know. I did hear about that. Not regulated. Yeah, but But because in California cannabis was regulated, and we had to do all these tests for metals. Potency, lead, and solvents. I started to see all these other ingredients, and the two biggest, um, what is what is the word called
0: offenders, was lavender oil and honey, huh? who would have known? See, the funny thing, it's not even funny, but this is super, it's super interesting to me because, you know, I was having a a conversation with my nephrologist, um, some months ago and, you know, we, we have a really good conversation generally. Um, and she was talking, we were talking about vitamins, like even vitamins that you would normally buy off of CVS or at any shelf where you purchase your, your groceries, vitamins here are not, they're not regulated. They're not regulated. So, you know, you think you're buying a tub of vitamin C, but, um, I believe some testing was done, you know, somebody, you know, a body or a few organizations pulled up, pulled up or pulled off some variety of different vitamins, vitamins off of a shelf and they tested them. And a ton of them had really, really like terrible things in them, like cadmium, mercury, um, Things that you wouldn't assume you would be consuming, um, by you know, by taking or popping a vitamin C pill or a you know, whatever it is that you're consuming. So clearly, that's across the board. Like it's it's something that's oh, it's such a huge concern it's huge. for me. Huge,
1: massive, and it's even unfortunately even more severe among. Um, products that are targeted towards people of color. And they've done all these studies on ethnic hair care products specifically. Mm. And a lot of these products are very toxic to the body. So not only are the ingredients toxic, but uh, um, the quality of the individual ingredients can be toxic because sometimes this can be introduced just from like clean machine. I mean, unclean machinery, So there's so many steps in this process as it relates to clean beauty. In fact, one ingredient um, that is quite popular, and so this is thinking about it in the other direction, uh, castor oil, which is a pretty common ingredient in a lot of products towards the ethnic market. But the castor bean itself is one of the most dangerous plants in the world. It's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as like one of the most poisonous common plants. Sheesh. I didn't know that. What? What? <laughs> and so there's a process in which you have to burn the outside of the seed sure. to like make it safe, et cetera. Yeah. And so like it's probably fine for like the everyday consumer, like what we receive, but it's incredibly dangerous for the workers.
2: Mm. And
1: so if we look at the entire supply chain, especially in India, where a lot of our castor oil comes from. There's so many children who are who suffer from deformities because of castor oil production, because of how they have to harvest the seed and then how they have to manufacture it so that we can use it. And so, part of like the mission, too, and this came to me from cannabis because again, we were standing up a brand new industry, means there are no While there are no benchmarks for how to do things well, there are also no legacy things that you have to do things that are incorrect, are not good for society. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things I'll say about the cannabis industry is that it's full of very passionate environmentalists and people who are trying to do conscious capitalism. And so because Mm -hmm. of my time in cannabis, it made me want to think about who are the workers because in cannabis specifically, most of the trimmers are actually from Mexico. <laughs> right. And so when we did a lot of uh, this, whatever we did, our administration, et cetera, we actually saw cannabis production rates go down <laughs> because okay. a lot of the actual knowledge was with these workers. And so I had already seen like, wait a second, we have to be holistic about business. So tying it back to castor oil, I can't use an ingredient that like I know before it got to me caused such destruction to a village. I mean, so I have to think ethically into <laughs> <morally>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I hear that. And
1: so being transparent was like bigger than just, just, Oh, we've done test results. It's like, here are the ingredients. Here's the amount that we're using, which is also pretty novel. Nice. <laughs> Here's where it comes from. And also like, we are trying our best to source from diverse vendors and making sure that they are doing things in an ethical and responsible way.
0: Hey, I love this. There's so much work you (laughs) you guys have done behind the scenes to just make this, you know, just to make it easy for consumers to know what they're consuming. Like that's the world that we're living in, living in today. People are emphatic about that. They want to know what's going into their body. So kudos to you. I want to talk about Harry Anslinger. Because you okay. gave me an education when we spoke the last time <laughs> with regards to like you know why he actually is the most infamous enemy as it pertains to cat to cannabis right so and the reason why yeah. cannabis was stigmatized
1: you know it's so interesting because like if you listen to this call and you and you're not aware that cannabis is illegal you can be like, wait a second is this woman talking about Oh, plants, and it does all these great things. So, like, why is it illegal? Yeah. And why it's illegal in this country is due to racism. And it's really that simple. And that impacted the rest of the world because oftentimes the U.S. sets the tone. So what happened, if we go back 100 Tell him years. Tell them about it.
0: Tell them about it.
1: If we go back to 100 years, we're actually in a very similar time.
0: Oh, true. So,
1: if we go to 2019, we were actually going through a Spanish flu, and so the economy was coming down. Um, and globally, people are wearing tons of masks and are really trying to fight this Spanish influenza. Wait, what year was that? At the, uh,
0: 1919.
1: 1919. Gotcha. Hmm. So we're dealing with this sort of Spanish flu, and it's crippling the whole world, very similar to what COVID is doing. At the same time, people are turning to alcohol. uh, But we're going through a prohibition in this country, in which we've deemed conservatives um, have deemed that alcohol is a sin, and that alcohol is bad. Right? Now you're seeing prohibition. And this came from a specific unit in the government. So and the man who's in charge of this
0: Was named Harry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger. There we go. So in Mm -hmm. terms of prohibition, meaning what specifically? Because I'm British, right? So I don't know a lot of your American history. Tell me just top line. Understood. Top line what prohibition meant at the time. Alcohol
1: came illegal. So you could not buy alcohol. You could not produce alcohol. This is where you see this term called moonshine. Mm. You could not go to bars and drink. Um, What a sad time. It could not be taxed. And so what you see is the rise, at, at least on the East Coast, in which you see the mafia mm-hmm. <laughs> arise in Boston and in Chicago, et cetera, and air quotes the mob. And so the mob is doing these underground speakeasies in which you could get alcohol. Yeah, People were creating their own moonshine, but all of this was incredibly illegal. Gotcha. I'm and it was actually... A constitutional ban, so this wasn't like some like little whatever, and it was led by a group that was supported by the Protestants, and it was bad for public safety. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. I'm that. So this is what's happening in 2000, sort of like 19. We've also come off World War One, so like there is some economic depression that's also happened globally. So. Here's a man, Harry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger grew up in Pittsburgh. He was not a wealthy man, but he married into a wealthy family. This woman actually had been divorced. And I guess women just could not be divorced in, in 1919 in and expect to get another ring on the finger. Uh-huh. So she was damaged goods. He was a poor man. <laughs> he, he gets married. Mm -hmm. and she actually had a child out of wedlock. So like that's even like a double tattoo, but he does, you know, get married to her and her relative, our caregiver was a man uh, named by Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie is a famous American uh, robber baron, I guess. Right. And Carnegie Mellon university, Mellon national bank. He was also the U S treasurer, Um, he was friends with the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and so that's the time period that we are talking about. Mm -hmm. So Harry Anslinger, he has had this success he's gotten rid of alcohol prohibition is kind of going along and then it's kind of not. It's kind of falling apart because guess Americans like to drink. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) it wasn't really deemed this great success. Also it was like why don't we just tax it. (laughs) Uh. Which is now how we got at this introduction of taxing on alcohol was because of sort of the failure of prohibition. There we go. So this man is sort of like out of a job. And he's like, What am I gonna do next? And there was another substance that he was sort of toying with and documented said, actually, I don't think it's actually as bad as alcohol. And that substance was called cannabis.
0: Okay. So back to but the at the
1: same story. time, Harry's wife, who again, remember was a divorcee, she was having a good time at something that was castle happening in the twenties, which was called jazz. Yeah. Jazz came out of folk and country music and it primarily was black singers who, who, and musicians. And they were performing at the speakeasies that often came up because of pro, exactly because of prohibition. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first times, again, this was underground, that there was music, alcohol, and the mixing of the races. Mm. So it was very common for for these audiences to be of mixed race. And if you listen to jazz music or blues music or a lot of African-American music, there's a lot of (laughs) storytelling about the injustice and the trauma that you're facing. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time, these mixed audiences are hearing the woes of a black man and the weariness of being a black woman and are starting to ask questions about like, well, wait a second, what is happening in the United States? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Harry Anslinger is very big into jazz, hanging around all these people and he starts to become incredibly jealous. And I'm not making this up or, or being salacious because he wrote a memoir and he wrote these words. <laughs> <laughs> so you can read them. Mm-hmm. And he specifically says, that jazz made black men feel like they were white men, and that they could get white women.
0: His words. I, you know what? You told me this, and I was like, I'm gonna. I don't know this history, so let me look it up. And I did, and I pulled out two quotes that essentially sum up like his personal vendetta against cannabis and why he's so <laughs> against why he's so against it. I'm gonna read the two quotes. So here we go. Coloreds with big lips lure white women with jazz and marijuana. Their satanic music is driven by marijuana and marijuana smoking by white women makes them want to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and others. (laughs) And then the next one says, reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men. I think this is the quote you're talking about. The primary reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on degenerate races. Those words came from Harry Anslinger. Like it's, it's, it's insane. I look back at this and to your point, he just sounds insanely jealous.
1: Well, let me just drop three nuggets and then we can wrap up this story. But what I find fascinating is that one, he was friends with, um, who's now it's forgetting me. I'm forgetting who I, he was friends with, uh,
0: Who like, what, what, um, where were they? He like? was
1: friends with a publisher, so I can't remember his name right now. But the reason why this time in history is very similar to where we are right now was that there's this concept called yellow journalism. And I can't remember which family it was. It wasn't the Rockefellers, I think it was the Conde Nast family, but I don't think that was it. So I can't okay. remember right now. But this man was a publisher, and so he and Anslinger were friends. And he was also friends with someone by the name of DuPont dupont is a chemical company and at the time they were starting to make these things called hemp plastic because guess what cannabis is actually a great natural um ingredient to make natural plastics Uh, but guess what that would kill actual plastic and guess who makes plastic dupont DuPont. (laughs) so dupont And his friend who was a publisher of all these magazines and newspapers were like, you know what? We're going to publish all these stories of white women getting pregnant by black men because they were taking cannabis. But actually, we're not going to even use the word cannabis. We're going to use the Mexican word. So it makes it seem as if these white women are hanging out with Mexicans and darkies And how Mexicans call cannabis is marijuana, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though cannabis has always been called
2: cannabis.
1: (laughs) And that's how you bought it at the store at the time. But it was Harry Hanslinger and his friends who changed it into marijuana to make it sound Mexican
0: and therefore lower class. And so... Ugh, my, I can't get my head around this. So that essentially is the basis, guys, and the reason why cannabis <laughs> till today is stigmatized because of racism, jazz music, and Harry Anslinger. That's the. the yep. it's it's insane. It's absolutely and insane. he created a pipeline. So it used to be where
1: you would just get a ticket and one of his, he would ticket these jazz singers. And then the jazz singers were making so much money. And we're talking Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong, who thought growing cannabis was like growing tomatoes and said that cannabis made him forget the pains of being a black man in America and would grow it literally right next to his tomatoes. And Harry Anslinger would give him so many tickets. But Louis Armstrong also was making money. So he was just paying off the ticket. Mm. So then Harry and his predecessors turned it into a felony. Mm. And then it became part of the prison pipeline. Fast forward to Nixon, fast forward to Reagan. And now you see if he, when people were selling uh, joint or something on the street, they go to prison for 10 years. But if you did that same thing with a more white facing drug, you would not. So it's directly related to the prison pipeline, directly related to racism. And unfortunately for for us as a society, no matter your race, we've lost the last 90 years (laughs) Mm -hmm. of science of a plant that produces something that's also internally produced by our own bodies. This science now comes from Israel and we're learning that it can help with epilepsy and diabetes and obesity and your mood and your sleep and your skin and your hair and cancer and all these things. And imagine a world in which you could solve some of the top disorders in this country due to a plant that grows in the ground literally so easily it's often referred to as weed drop the microphone and that would destroy the whole game and the number one peop- the number one group of people who are against the legalization of cannabis in this country is big pharma because they yeah. would like to guess yeah. this and then sell it back to you yeah. and in fact the only legal purveyor federally legal purveyor of CBD in this country belongs to GW Pharmaceuticals In which they have put a patent on synthetic CBD. So let me just restate that there's a pharma company that can legally sell CBD to you that is synthetically created in a lab. It costs four to $5,000 a month for epileptics to take, Mm. (laughs) or you could grow a plant in your backyard for free.
0: Oh my gosh. There is so much politics. So around that's us. where we are. <laughs> so much politics. I want to get straight now into busting these myths, right? The first question I was going to ask you, you've already answered essentially is that, you know, a lot of people think that there's no real health benefits to cannabis. Like people just use it as an, ex- as an excuse. Like all it does is it, is it gets you high, but you've just said, and I think a lot of us know that there are so many medical conditions that can benefit from the use of cannabis when used in, in a safe in a safe way, right? Like when used with the right dosage, you know, as prescribed, I guess, or or maybe not. But maybe you can speak a little a little bit more to that. But it's not just about getting high, guys. Like it's it's not. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm learning. And it's a shame that we've lost almost a century worth of the ability to collect data and really understand what cannabis can do to, to its full potential.
1: I think some of the biggest buckets is, is neuropathy. Anything that's due from inflammation, which is pretty much most diseases, (laughs) but lupus, cancer, Um, diabetes, there's a lot of research happening that it can help with those disorders on the mental disorder side, anxiety, Mm -hmm. insomnia, depression on the uh, skin side, eczema, psoriasis, hyperpigmentation, acne on the sexual wellness side, dryness, desire on the recreational side calmness happiness laughter mm-hmm. uh, on the sight side uh it can help with uh glaucoma uh, <laughs> there's all wow. of these diseases that are currently being studied but again not in the united states so lower budget so they're coming from countries that, while legal, don't have the same financial powers that we do, but a lot of great research is coming out of Germany, out of Israel. We're being eclipsed, quite frankly, as a nation mm-hmm. in this research. And you didn't ask this question, but African-Americans or people of color are also woefully underrepresented in this industry from an employment perspective, from an entrepreneurship perspective, and also from an investing perspective. So... Mm-hmm. If this is gonna be, and they project, one of the largest industries in our lifetime, and rarely do new industries just emerge. Right. (laughs) I mentioned we were making millions of dollars and we had no bank. (laughs) Imagine, (laughs) and we were just selling stuff from a crock pot.
0: Yeah. Imagine
1: the wealth creation that this industry is gonna bring, not only with the potential to heal,
0: But it's a brand new industry. Yeah. What a way to develop generational uh, wealth. It's one of the best ways of the moment.
1: And yet, because of that history, either a lot of people of color are just self-selecting, like, definitely not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even my own
0: parents are like, well, wait a second. Isn't that risky? Yeah, of course. That's what everyone on this podcast is thinking about. (laughs) But not saying. And then
2: the
1: second side is like, you know, um, I don't want to tarnish my great career. I don't want to tarnish my reputation. I don't want to. And yet at the same time, there are people who are making millions of millions of dollars providing the plastic bag that we in are printing the box that cannabis has to be in or being a lawyer to cannabis companies or being the accountant or being the insurance person like you Mm. do not have to touch the plant
0: yeah to make
1: money in this industry
0: okay I'm going to put a pin in it because I want to come back to this whole idea of you know building generate generational wealth through cannabis and entrepreneurship I I want to go back right now to these uh busting the myths but there's so much to talk about cannabis as a business opportunity. Um, cause yeah, I totally hear you loud and clear on that one for sure. Okay. Myth busting number two, the stereotypes, right? There's this idea that the consumer yeah. profile is, you know, someone who is lazy. They have a lazy disposition. They don't want to work. They're criminals. They have no future. What are your thoughts on that?
1: um completely untrue i have provided cannabis to pretty much every senator governor celebrity in, in the state of california <laughs> um Happy and everyone's different <laughs> everyone is is different because your body produces endocannabinoids you may have a deficiency i may have too much like just like you might be happier than me i might be sadder than you we're all very individual so there's really no there it's a very personalized experience. Mm-hmm. So that's why someone could take an edible and feel something and you could take and not feel anything. Mm-hmm. So that's number one, it's personalized. And then two, it's kind of a ridiculous statement because we've just said that taking topicals does not get you high. Exactly. So you could be a cannabis user and be putting like my mother who probably wouldn't call herself a cannabis user. Cause she's never smoked. Yep. But she definitely puts on a pain relieving balm every four hours
0: mm. to overcome her lupus and arthritis. Uh. So, is she a cannabis user? <laughs> That's the see, then it's all down to the stigma, right? Because people aren't, mm-hmm. there are loads of people out there that like, Using the example of your mom, um, even using the example of me, like I'm, I'm using your products like on, on my face and on my skin, and prior to even using your products, I was using a CBD infused oil that um, Keel's brought out a few years ago that I really like using on my face. Like, if I was to fill out a form and the form was to ask me, am I a cannabis user? Like, what would I check? I wouldn't. I would naturally not think to check. Yes, I am. I mean, I don't smoke it. So it's not part of my lifestyle in that way, but it might be through these, you know, tinctures now that I've learned what that term really means, but it's, it's the taboo. It's the taboo. That's how new it. it is,
1: right? We don't even have the vocabulary for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a new industry. There's new vocabulary. Like the whole thing, the whole terrain is new. The whole terrain is new. Okay. Last myth to bust. It's dangerous.
1: Well, there has been very few. There's been very few cases of death caused by cannabis mm-hmm. or any other sort of adverse effects. In fact, there's been no cases of death prior to, I believe, last year. And cannabis has been around again for thousands and thousands of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When we have seen deaths, it's been due uh, last year due to Vapegate, which was this concept of the fact that it's not federally legal and therefore there are not regulations Mm -hmm. that there was for the first time this concept of fake weed which no one really had the foresight to plan for which was we could cut our dilute weed with other things like vitamin e or acetone and thin it out and sell on the black market and so one of the things that's interesting similar to prohibition is in the fact that like Now that California has it legal, but a state over does not, why not sell illegally Mm. a vape pen or something, say it's from California, and it may or may not even have cannabis in it. Right. And so I think if there were safety concerns, it would be more, are you buying from a reputable company, from a reputable source? Again, I wouldn't even, on the CBD side, I would not buy CBD from (laughs) 7-Eleven. I would not buy it from your bodega. Right. I also would not buy CBD that is in the form of a sugar-ridden gummy Mm -hmm. when you're trying to solve sleep. It's also being intentional, Uh, right? Like, why are you eating sugar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to try and solve to get to one sleep. medical problem and causing another. Yeah. So I think context really matters and I think because there is a lot of there's a lot of money to be made and there's still a lot of confusion and lack of rules and recognizing what's happening, you have to be even more vigilant in making sure you're buying from a reputable source. Right. But in general, cannabis has not caused anyone to die. And because your body produces cannabinoids, your body can, can kind of flush those things out. If anything, what I say is that start low and slow if you're talking about taking specifically THC internally. And that means start at the lowest amount and then just wait and see what happens. Now, I'll just say this as a pro tip, even though we're talking about beauty, But CBD can often dampen the impacts of THC's high. So if for some reason someone's taken an edible and has lost their mind, (laughs) you could actually give them CBD tinctures (laughs) to reduce that high.
0: Oh, my gosh. To counteract. Fascinating. (laughs) To counteract. (laughs) But, uh, in
1: general, it's a pretty safe plant
0: and it's about
1: really knowing your body and paying attention and listening.
0: I mean, it's like alcohol. I mean, alcohol has killed way more people. I'm sure in this world than I'm assuming cannabis has. That's, um, that you
1: mentioned, I'm in the 1000% also like alcohol often makes you angry and loud and violent. Mm -hmm. cannabis tends to make you happy and not moving off the couch. Right. (laughs) So if we think about the side effects of it, it actually is better generally for society as a vice (laughs) than not cannabis. And so it's interesting that was actually presented and accepted by the California, um, whatever the government place is called Congress Senate. I don't know what it's called, but, um, when we were talking about uh, fighting for the rights to assemble and have cannabis use, it's like, well, concerts and bars lead to fights and violence and domestic violence. Yeah. Cannabis yeah. usually suppresses that in most people. <laughs> it actually makes you more loving and more giving about that? and more creative and not as violent. And if anything, you'll just shut down and sit somewhere for the next three hours not talking to someone.
0: <laughs> Which uh um... that- I think a lot of us need that to see more of that in this society that we live in today. It's like, we'd rather you just sit down, pipe down, don't give me your opinion, just yeah. sit on your couch, <laughs> like chill out versus. One
1: riles, one riles you up and the other one chills you out. And yet we're mad at the one that chills you out. Yeah.
0: It's super, yeah. Super interesting. Super interesting. And you know, the reason why I, you know, one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you, I was excited to have you on this, on this, um, podcast talking about, you know, cannabis, the cannabis industry and how it helps reduce stress, stress and anxiety is because like, I like to talk about things that are still stigmas and that, that are still taboos in our, in the black community. You know, we, we, we have this tendency to, you know, don't talk about this or Shh, don't open that door because, you know, people say that it's bad, you know, but I just want I want these conversations to be ones that will open up the minds and eyes of of people, you know, that typically have had their ears closed to topics like this, you know. So, no, I appreciate, I totally appreciate the wealth of knowledge that you have on this topic, and um, I just really, I just, I just hope that you know, it's it ends up being something that somebody out there um, is able to sort of pivot their original mindset on this topic as it pertains to cannabis, because, you know, there's, to your point, there are things that we should be thinking about. Like if you have a medical condition and, you know, everything that you've tried hasn't worked, or you'd rather try something more natural, there's no reason why cannabis shouldn't be a part of the equation. If you're stressed and you have anxiety and, you know, you've tried a bunch of different things and they don't work and, you know who's to say that CBD couldn't be couldn't be um, you know opportune for you? So I love this. I really do favor this. Uh, I love this conversation that we're having. But now, as it pertains to entrepreneurship, okay, clearly there continues to be this massive explosion of the cannabis market, like globally. Uh, right now, in the US, uh, cannabis is legal in, I believe, thirty-three states to date. Um, I believe that, I mean, we know, and we are seeing that there are shifts in, you know, the political policy around it. Like we're seeing Biden and Harris, you know, championing the, 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 the decriminalization, I should say, um, of cannabis, um, and as well as having the criminal records of those convicted of possession of the drug expunged, which is super interesting and so relevant, um, to talk to today, and it sounds as though, just from the latest data I've seen from um, New Frontier, that the cannabis or the CBD market is estimated um, to grow from three, 390 million back in 2018 to 1.3 billion by, I think it's 2020 or 2021 even actually next year. And that was for CBD, correct? And that was for CBD, So for the, so if we plus that up by four, that'd be the whole market. That's insane. That's insane. So listen, clearly cannabis is a door to building wealth, right? How real, how real is the size of this prize? And what is it going to take to finally convince those of us who are still dubious that cannabis is a legit opportunity to legally build wealth in our communities?
1: Well, it's twofold. One, the people who are investing now are going to probably make the most money, but they're taking on the most risk. I don't think that we're going to see the full potential until it's fully legal in the United States. Because uh, it's just, think about building a business that you have to build in California, and then you cannot cross state lines with that inventory unless that state is also legal. Right. How do you run that business? How do you train people? How do you ensure consistency? And so it's going to be a cottage industry that's going to still make a lot of money, but it will really unleash wealth when it becomes legal. Mm -hmm. Now that could happen at any moment because Biden and Kamala basically said that they would push for legalization, if their administration gets approved. Yeah. So it could happen in the next four years already. We have 33 States, seven States are voting this year. So we're going to, we're already at the majority and about 70% of Americans are pro cannabis. And Biden actually is not even pro cannabis. Mm. He, he's, he's more neutral than pro if, so it doesn't necessarily mean that people are out here saying like, oh, I want cannabis on the streets, but okay. they recognize the economic uh, impact. It's one of the fastest growing industries for employment, which we have thousands of food service workers that may or may not have jobs. We have thousands of retail workers that may or may not see retail boom. There's so many of those entry level jobs in cannabis, as well as executive jobs, agriculture jobs it impacts so many other sectors like yeah. packaging insurance and finance yeah. you don't actually have to touch the plant again i just said you know you can't cross state lines that means all the technology plays are state specific mm-hmm. that means you can win the state of california there's 49 other states right so there are so many incredible opportunities because the market is so fragmented Just because you're number one in California doesn't mean you're the number one gummy in New York. And there's a very hard path for you to do so. Because, again, how are you getting that product from California to New York? Right. (laughs) So there are so many opportunities right now on the grassroots. You do not have to touch the plant. So if you're an accountant or a lawyer or a teacher or any of these things, there's opportunities to tap into that wealth creation Mm -hmm. and do it now while it's still early in the game and the foundation. That being said, I don't think we'll see returns on that investment until it's legal (laughs) in this country. So that's the thing you have to weigh is that you're not going to see real wealth because there's no way to exit the money yet. So you cannot IPO, which is what creates a lot of wealth creation from investing in the United States. And so until we can do that, your money is locked up. And so that's what I always say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm super interested to see how this boom continues. Well, when this boom is going to finally kick off and what that's going to do for the economy, because that's just going to blow things (laughs) through the roof, quite frankly. (laughs) Okay, let's wind down now. I want to talk a little bit about you and self-care, rituals, beauty essentials. What did you wish you knew before you started your career in this industry?
1: That being slow would actually speed me up, I guess, in the sense that when I meditate, when I take time for myself, that that actually makes me more productive, which is actually a perverse way of thinking about it. <laughs> That's a very American, <laughs> capitalistic way of evaluating your success. I know. <laughs> right? I'll be more productive, um, <laughs> but it actually is um, a pretty powerful tool for me, um, and I think it's it's really slowing down. It really is taking time out for myself. I would have thought that self care, even a few years ago, was sort of like, oh, it's a bath bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll do it on Sundays and I'll treat myself. And it's like a little luxury. Mm-hmm. Our massage in this country is very much positioned as relaxation. But if you travel the world, like massages are. Are like a pretty common thing. They're not that expensive.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, and it's really just sort of how you take care of yourself. And so a lot of the things that are in this country that are deemed for wellness are treats or luxury. And I would argue self-care happens every day yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not a hashtag and it's something that we should be taught we, now that our society is so stressed and so anxious, like we need to provide kids these tools on how do you deal with that anxiety? How do you deal with that stress? How do you meditate? How do you take a moment for yourself? How, when you wash your face, like how do you affirm yourself and see something beautiful back in Mm -hmm. the mirror? Like all those moments sort of add up. And I don't think we do a great job. I think we, I think it's good for commercials. It's a fun social media tag. Yeah, right. Buzzword. <laughs> um, Buzzword of the year. Yeah, it's not reflective in how your employer treats you. <laughs> it's True. not, you know, reflective in how the media respects your mental space. Yep. <laughs> so, uh I think it's actually being proactively taking care of yourself. Radically self-care and and it's funny because even self-care that term was turned by um, a black gay activist and how she used the term self care was it was a revolution. It was radical for her to take care of herself because no one was taking care of a gay black woman in the seventies. And so that's the origin of self care. And yet it's been turned into this relaxation fun term when Mm. actually it's very much a requirement every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Self-care is for every day. It's for every day. It's not a treat. It's not a luxury. It shouldn't be a luxury. It should be something that's innate and that we do to take care of our inner selves each and every day. So true. Are there yeah. any, apart from meditation, any rituals that keep you grounded?
1: So I do meditate every day. Um, and then usually on the weekends, I will do a deeper meditation with music and incense and candles. I am Christian, but I do have, I wouldn't call it an altar, but I just have a meditation space okay. that has some of my favorite things and, uh, my favorite music.
2: Cool.
1: So there's that. Um, the other thing that I do as a ritual is that I have a gratitude prayer, uh, that mm. I text with my friends about what we're grateful for. I am probably the worst at it because <laughs> I'm always coming up with like, I love my iPhone. Um, oh, but it Kimberly. forced me to think about very real things and to have that moment for myself. I think uh, I do morning pages, which is part of the artist way, which is a um, mm. very popular in LA. It's a book. Yeah. I heard of this. Uh, And I do morning pages on days when I'm really stressed. And I find that that exercise is just a fancy term of journaling Mm -hmm. actually really does well for me. And I actually journal by topic. So I have my anger journal in which it's just literally angry thoughts. (laughs) Okay. So you have a whole journal for that. Um, And so I have a whole journal specifically for anger. Um, And then from a product perspective, I'm obsessed with Voluspa Candles. Okay. So I use, uh, I surround my house with volume spa and then, and I am very big into aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. So I have a number of diffusers and humidifiers all over my house nice. and I change the scent with intentionality throughout the day. So lavender is probably like the least interesting mm-hmm. essential oil I'll use. So right now I'm really into Palo Santo, yes. uh, Viteria, uh, Sandalwood, cedarwood, and rosemary. Okay, okay, those are very grounding,
0: musky kind of like. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. All of them. I'm I'm big on Palo Santo. I burn I burn a wood stick, you know, each day. I love sandalwood. I love cedarwood. I'm with you. I do love lemongrass though. If I really need some inspiration or creativity, Mm, yeah
1: scents are really powerful me and also color so I've been playing with that so I have some color light bulbs and so I've been exploring like just just for fun like is this going to be a blue light day or a purple light day cool. just to add a little bit of whimsy to my life I don't know if that's doing anything specific okay. but I like to have fun and then the last thing I'll say this one has really fundamentally changed my life what is it not a wellness task, not a ritual per se, but I have something I look forward to every two sixty days. And so there is a study that if you have something to look forward to, like a small trip, you're actually happier, mm-hmm. calmer, and like excited to get through your work day. Mm-hmm. So like when you know, like oh my God, I'm going to Bermuda in August and it's January, like at, you're working towards the goals yeah, just by like counting down the day. And so a group of us have started doing like where we just have a fun weekend every two months. Nice. And it's not like an expensive endeavor. It's just like, it's a planned thing. It could just be for the day. It could just be a day trip, but it's on the calendar. I know it's happening. My next one's December 11th. Like I know it's happening (laughs) and that is my fun day, which is a gift to me and my family.
0: Love it. (laughs) Okay. Now, before I ask you about your favorite black businesses that you want to cheer on or champion, I always ask this question about beauty essentials. Like if you had to pick one go-to makeup product, one go-to skincare product, and one haircare, what would they be?
1: For haircare, I think it would be my kinky curly custard. Cool,
0: cool for your yes. wash and goes.
1: Hmm. I think from a makeup perspective, it's a tie between Mac Ruby Woo lipstick. Oh yeah. And Makeup Forever's
0: uh, high definition foundation. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Then uh, for a face product, I truly do use my Frig oil uh, every day. But I love a brand called. Um I love two brands uh, products. I love uh Blue Cocoon by Maya Lindstrom, which is very expensive. <laughs> but I spoke at Goop and got six bottles for free, so I'm still working through it. Oh good, nice. <laughs> um and uh I love a brand called Eminence. I think it's a spa brand. It's a Hungarian brand. Okay. And they have a water plum a moisturizer that is an absolute little girl delight in the sense it's my favorite shade of purple. It is literally like a aloe, aloe vera gel consistency without the stickiness. Okay. So it's got beautiful slip and it's incredibly hydrating and smells like sugar plums. Oh yeah. Which is like a childhood memory for me. (laughs) And so, um, I have not deviated from that moisturizer in seven years. Well,
0: if it ain't broke, you know, and Kiehl's Musk is my favorite scent. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. Okay. If you had to pick one, oh, great. I hear that there's some, somebody's doing some work outside of my apartment. So I'll, I'll lean a little closer into my mic. Okay. If you had to choose one favorite black founded or black owned businesses to to support, who would it be? Or at least to, to mention for this podcast.
2: Um,
1: what black own business do I love? Well, the one that I love right now, I'm actually looking up the name of the brand, but I'm very big into adaptogens right now. Okay. And I have bought their powders and it has been a game changer, specifically ashwagandha. Oh, that's <laughs> in the tea, tea that we had this game, morning. Hmm. It is a game changer for making me feel calm and productive. Okay. Um, and I am finding it I think it's called Peak and Valley. Let me look. Interesting. Peak and Valley adaptogens. Yes. So they have these powders and I think mine, and it's at Nordstrom's and I got the balance my stress adaptogen blend herbal supplement. It's $40 Mm -hmm. on Nordstrom's and it is reishi mushrooms, ashikawanda and cocoa. Nice. This stuff is the truth. Really? I have a, like a little hot cocoa vibe
0: on it, mm. crushing my day, crushing my day. Oh, that's crushing sounds, my day. That sounds delish. We, um, <laughs> my husband got a hand. Um, he he loves teas, like different types of teas. So there was this, this tea that I believe I don't know. I think it comes from Hawaii or the brands located in, located in Hawaii. And um, one of the key ingredients that's in the tea is um guanda. And I was wondering, like, what is this? I've heard, I've heard, you know, I've heard about it in the wellness space, but I haven't really done a ton of research around it. But you mentioned it's an adaptogen, so it's it's supposed to help alleviate stress. Is that right? Yes. Got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Okay, Kimberly, thank you. You have been insightful. Um, this is going to be a long episode, you know, but I'm planning not to edit this down, you know, at all, if, if, you know, at all, or, you know, not much, because there's just so much, there's so much knowledge in here. And listen, I just want to open up the opportunity for you to share, you know, if there's one key takeaway that you want my listeners to, to walk away with today, um, out of everything that you've spoken about, or maybe not even spoken about what would it be?
1: Your emotional well-being absolutely dictates and impacts the way that you look and how you show up in the world. And whether it's cannabis or an adaptogen or meditation or music, you absolutely need to take the same diligence with controlling your emotional well-being and your stress and your burnout as you do with going for that beautiful glow are perfecting your eyebrows, are getting that hair twist in the perfect sort of um, knot. I've seen so many women watch a thousand hair YouTube videos and will not research how to get balance. And it's absolutely critical for us as a people to take care of our emotional well-being because that stress is impacting and showing up in all aspects of our life, whether we want to acknowledge it or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Kimberly Dillon, you've been a star and I want to make sure my listeners know where they can find you. So can you tell them um, the best places for them to seek you out?
1: Yes. You can find uh, and learn more about Frig products at uh, com. That's F-R-I-G-G. You can find us on our socials at Get Frig as well on Insta and all the other social platforms. And then you can follow me at Kimberly K. Dillon. Uh, My last name is D-I-L-L-O-N. So it's Kimberly, the letter K and Dillon. And I'm sharing sort of the behind the scenes journey of building uh, this brand.
0: Thank you so much, Kimberly. I've really enjoyed having you here with me in the lounge today. And um, guys, I hope this has been informative for you. I will drop all the links so that you can connect directly to Kimberly and to Frigg and get to know a little bit more as it pertains to how to help alleviate symptoms of anxiety and stress and also learning more about, you know, the cannabis industry as it continues to grow and proliferate out there.